Welcome to Grow Your Creative Agency, a podcast. Nate, Nate. Yeah? It's not, not going to work, not man. not going to work. Okay. Hey, this is Eric Parnell, owner of the Northwest Collective. And Nate Kupish, owner of Blastoff Studio. Has your creative agency plateaued? Or are you growing slowly and ready to scale up faster? Or maybe you're just ready to give up and get a nine to five. Listen in as we chat with founders who have successfully built up their own creative agencies. Join us as we learn how to get the clients you want, generate greater revenue, and develop a sustainable business model that makes you more productive and less stressed. Hey, welcome to the Grow Your Creative Agency podcast. I am your host, one of your hosts, Nate Kupish, founder of Blastoff Studio, here with Eric Parnell, founder of Northwest Collective and Northwest Media, and even some other ventures, quite the the mogul of businessmen in the design and retail world. Hey, we are so excited to chat with you today. Our last episode with Liz was an absolute joy today. Eric and I are in the studio catching up on how business is going. I actually wanted to hear a bit about Eric's business structure, how he's grown and evolved over the last 10-ish years with his photo and video company, which has had some neat contracts recently and more than the contracts themselves, some neat learnings that come along with that. So without further to do, let's jump into today's episode. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. Happy to be on with you today. It's been a little while. Been too long. We haven't been in the studio in quite a while. Yeah. I know we're getting on a regular rhythm now, but excited to be back with you and catch up. Speaking of though, what's been going on in your world? How's work? Work is in a time I'm starting to enjoy a few different pieces that I didn't think I would enjoy. Interestingly enough, about a month ago, it would have been maybe beginning of January, I had this feeling, if you can imagine like a cup of water sitting on the edge of a table, there's that uneasy something, this isn't probably stable, around the, the current model that Blastoff Studio was holding with our clients. So we have a handful of clients and I'd say five of those clients were all project-based. So there was a lump sum that they were being charged for and the project had a start and an end date. And then we had one client specifically that was a majority client and we were beginning to move into more and more contracts with them. So we had about seven con contracts going with them. And the benefit, there was more time being spent with their team, which was amazing. And obviously there's more income. So we were hiring. And we had put out job postings for two different roles, a senior designer and a junior designer, both with some unique askings that we had. And I, so I did a bunch of interviews, found a couple people, in fact, even offered the senior role to a really neat guy here in town who I thought would be a great fit. And then about two, three, four weeks ago, which is a wide range, a couple weeks ago, those five of those contracts actually got canceled. And I think this is what I was feeling with that, that internal feeling of kind of that water glass on the edge of the table, like something, this doesn't feel not that there was any shady or shiftiness, not like that, but just the age old lesson, don't put all your eggs in one basket, all that. That being said, though, it was, I didn't get upset. I didn't get anxious. I didn't get frustrated. None of those feelings surfaced. What surfaced was actually a lot of gratitude. And the reason why is I had been trying to hire these two roles for about two months and it was Christmas time. So it was also a little interesting, but I hadn't found the right people. And the one person that I really wanted 
had a family, two kids, and wanted to maybe have something that was more stable. And that's, he's already in a role, so he's going to stay there. And I was really grateful when I got that news that it didn't work out to hire these people because I would have just pulled these people out of whatever role they were in and then brought them in and then need to completely reframe how we were going to pay them or let them go or whatever, which would have just been chaos. He was really grateful on that. I was also really grateful because I learned that as a business creative agency, we were beginning to develop our business to meet that primary client's need, as opposed to building our business in the way that I dreamed to build the business. So we were beginning to format things around them rather than around our ethos and how Mm. we wanted to be. So that was a really interesting, a wake up moment and a learn for me is to have a majority client. There's actually some things that are happening to the business when you're essentially a content creating strategy, creating company. If you have just one person you're working with, you're going to become more like them. Spend a lot of time with one person. You're going to be more like them. So there was a lot of really good benefits. Also, I think staying in that place of gratitude and calmness allowed for some great conversations with their team to figure out what the future looked like. Two of the contracts stayed as they were, and then we're working on, and we've adapted those other five contracts into a, a third contract that is essentially a scaled down version. And they're going to work towards getting that larger contract. But that's what's been up with us. We have a couple other local organization here in town in Bend, Oregon called Shepherd's House Ministries that we, funny enough, and this comes back to people first in this whole design and service industry, we had an extra whiteboard in our office, put it on Marketplace. The gal that came was an incredible lady, let me know she was new to their C-level leadership team. And I I just said, hey, just you guys can have for it. You don't need to pay us for it, Reverend. And sure enough, two weeks later, she called up and said, hey, you know what? This is um, when we're over at Shepherd's House Ministries and I would love to work with you. We're wanting to redo all of our site and all of our stuff. And wow. can we talk? So now we're working with them to do that. And I just, it was reminded that people first is really where, at least where our heart and ethos is and it works for us. That's cool. So that's a lot, but that's what we've been up to. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, talking about growing your company and with your new potential employee, that's really interesting thought about shaping your business to the needs of the Mm -hmm. company versus shaping your business to how you want it to be built. I'm just curious, what were some of the pressures that you were starting to feel or like Mm -hmm. what directions did you feel pulled in? Yeah. That maybe didn't exactly align. Yeah, great question. So for one, my passion as as I've been titled the podcast, growing my own creative agency over the last two and a half years, has been learning what my passions are. What am I good at? My business coach typically asks me at the beginning of our conversations, what are you excited about? What are you good at? How can you bring value to the company? With the understanding that it's still a smaller company and you get to do a little bit of everything, or I guess you could say you have to do a little bit of everything. But long-term, if you wanted to build in yourself into a role, what would it be? And I've learned that I really love people, conversations, strategy. I love, love, uh, and feel so fulfilled when someone is able to clarify what their problem is and then explain a solution and see it light, light, see their eyes light up and then provide and create that solution for them and give it to them send them on their way, cheer them on. So that's what I love. To answer your question though, Eric, what was happening is, and it wasn't bad, and I think 
it's probably the normal way to build business as more and more business comes to you, you mold to that, whatever's coming to you. But I learned that if I do that for me and where I'm at, it's going to shift the trajectory of the company. So these two roles were designer focused roles. Hmm. And I would love to hire two more designers on top of what we have to take over that large contract. But at the same time, I don't love managing. And so I didn't necessarily want more people than we already have on our team at this point with four kids at home and just all the, the stuff. The way I'm wired, I just love spending time with the people we have. And so by taking on that larger contract, it meant shaping the business to bring more additional hires on, give them more of my time. So I become more of a manager and less of a creator and less of a conversationalist with our clients. Mm -hmm. So that was one way. And I still want to grow, but I'm not sure if hiring designers is the, the, the direction. Does that kind of give you? Yeah. That what you're after? It's just interesting though. I think as you've realized you really enjoy strategy and your time with people. And I think I, what I've seen you do is bringing a half fleshed out idea to life and taking people to a bigger picture and how to think of it holistically and how to solve the problems that are in those issues. Have you thought about, could your agency exist in a way that's the majority of what you do and that? Oh man, if that would be the dream. Yeah. I'm slowly trying to shape us that direction to be in a space where we can come in where a company is either stuck, stagnant, or they have a current service or product that's just not working and help them tweak it so that it's deliverable and edible for the, the audience to really enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. As opposed to doing all the, all the, the, the endpoint design and the development. Yeah. Interesting. So I need a partner. I need someone who can do all the design work because I, I like talking too much. <laughs> that's good to know about yourself. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Okay, let's shoot it over to you then. Same question. Just hearing what you were talking about makes me think about our business. And I think in large part, I've been pretty fortunate that I've mainly directed or maintained the direction of the business that I've wanted. Definitely, probably to my financial detriment at mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also think that for whatever reason, video just has a lot more mystery around it. So that when people are hiring us, they're, hey, you guys are the experts. Well, you do what you do. I think, I don't know firsthand, but probably more so than you might on a design project. Or I think people can grasp design or, or, website build outs a little easier to where they feel like they could, they should be informing the direction of projects. And we still get that. I get people who want to live out their Martin Scorsese dreams and start directing projects when they're the client and like, oh, that's my job. Make it a service, charge them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Additional fee for. That's right. I'll give you the captain's hat and the bed. <laughs> Come on and say. Yeah. And part of that's normal and part of the process. We, we want the client to inform final product, but I think there's on set, there's so many other variables that they don't understand or consider. They might say, can we shoot it from the other direction? Or like, that will take two hours to set up uh, and that blows half your day. But yeah, I think for us, like the direction, I've always had this goal of we're doing 
higher quality production. I don't want to be a video factory. We're not just putting out content for content's sake. And even with user-generated content, a lot of the stuff is just shot with a phone and it's, oh, we could get into that. We could equip people on how to generate a ton of their own content. And we still have maintained, no, we're a premium video service. Sure, there's lots of other video needs out there, but we're going to stay in this particular area. And if have, yeah, I think at times come across like what you felt where clients' needs may have been in a different direction, but we have to speak up and say, no, that, yes, that's also video. However, that's not what we do. If you want to work with us, this is the type of product you're going to get. But yeah, it's hard to hold that line sometimes. I'd be interested to hear in reference to user-generated content, which also in some ways parallels a lot of the, I don't know what the term is, and I apologize, it should be something I know, but it seems like I'm getting more ads for these services where you can essentially subscribe and you have access to their catalog of video and then mm. AI tools allow you to write a script or have the script written for you, put it into this, this uh, reservoir, this catalog, and it'll pull the clips according to what you've written and then create this video for you. Mm -hmm. And stock footage. It is stock footage. Yeah. But there's another term that has, but yes, it, essentially it's stock footage with AI to, to pull it out for you. Okay. That being said, what is your initial take? We didn't talk about this before, so this is off the cuff, but what's your initial take on that? When clients come to you and say, there's this tool that can let me do this for a thousand dollars. Why would this project be $10,000? What's hmm. your take or how would you respond to something like that in 2024? Yeah. I've thought about this a little bit recently. I think probably because of your prompting, you've thrown some jokes out there. We're all going to lose our jobs because AI is here. And I know Which you don't, I don't think so, you don't, actually. I know yeah, you don't well, really okay. believe that, no. but, but a joke here or there. And yeah, I have thought about that. And I think similar to how you felt about it too, is that one is, is clients know what they want, but they don't want to spend the time on how to get there. That's right. And even if you have the AI tools mm -hmm. that can build it, right. you still have to take the time to think through even an outline. You have to be able to feed AI an outline to say, we want this and this. And to come up with an outline, you have to do some discovery work. Who are we? Who's our audience? What are our goals? You still have to do the legwork mm -hmm. to get there. And yeah, I mean, on our end, that's a lot of the pre-production work. And they could say, yeah, I can just have this AI tool build this for me. And it's, yeah, but you're still going to need to go through the process of creating an effective video campaign. And you can't do that in a few seconds by typing it in. Yeah. Um, it's something that has to be worked through. Yeah. So. We just wrote a post the other day about thinking of AI in conjunction with film, video, design, strategy, as thinking of it as Home Depot. Assuming that, saw that. You see, the general concept there was when Home Depot opened or Lowe's or any of these big box lumber stores, did contractors get afraid that homeowners or potential future homeowners would just go buy all the materials themselves and do it? The reality is 
there was a market that grew there, the D DIY people, right? We go, we build a kid's shed or whatever. But at the end of the day, the contractors are still the one building 90 some percent of homes, even mm -hmm. though the materials are there because there's knowledge. And I agree with you, Eric, that though the tools are there, it doesn't mean that everyone knows how to use the tools. And more than that, they don't have the time. They only have 24 hours a day. So we've invested the last dozen plus years of our lives learning to become experts in these fields. Mm -hmm. And so now we get to utilize these tools where they don't have that same. So there's still value in what we do as designers and film. Yeah, yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah, you can use your phone and make a great video and it could be effective just like you could build a shelving unit in your home. Uh -huh. But you're likely still going to hire a professional to build you yeah. a whole home. Yeah. You know? Did you see the uh, so the last Apple keynote? They filmed that with an iPhone 15 Pro. Oh, yeah. But what was so fun, and they did it. It was this $1,200 phone. They yeah. filmed an actual Apple commercial, but they used over a million dollars of lighting equipment and yeah. staff. So yeah. it's, yeah, you can do it. It's true, but there is something behind that. The studs behind that is the are these people with the expertise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. How funny. But yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts on your thoughts. But as far as what we've been up to lately, you know, it's interesting. Coming out of the holiday season, we were busy, which is possibly for the first time ever. I think two jobs came in right before Christmas, like the week, the 22nd or something like that. Like year-end budget type moves? No, it was, they were just ready to move forward on on initiatives that they've had and realized they needed it sooner than later. I don't think it was even their their year end. But yeah, and they were, can you have this ready when we come back from holiday? We're like, sure, forget our, our holiday. Wow. <laughs> Which, of yeah. course, we'll take the work and still got time off. It worked out. But yeah, we've been busy. We had, uh, no, not one that came in right before Christmas, but one that we were working on recently was this whole new category for us where we shot on green screen. We were doing some visual effects work. We had this whole 3D build out in a grocery store, kind of a different category of work for our portfolio, which is exciting to have. And now to be able to have those capabilities to show for our skill set is exciting. And things went really well despite not having as much experience in those particular areas. So that was really cool. Yeah, I think right now I'm, we have a recent addition to our team member and kind of figuring out the company structure. And like you mentioned briefly, just working through that. Yeah. What does that look like for you? The company structure where you, before we, as we were setting up all the gear today, you had mentioned that there were some changes to your company structure, your business structure. Yeah. I'm currently trying to crack the sales code. I think sales for service-based businesses is really tricky. For creative ones, it's even trickier. And we have grown to a certain level organically by word of mouth, through referrals. And I've, it's, we've been doing this for about 10 years now. Um, still relatively small, I'd say. I have uh, three full-time employees, team of contractors. But just lately, the last couple of years have thought, what will it take to get me to the next level? One, so that my work environment is how I would like it to be and have the appropriate staff and resources to do what I want to be able to do. And then two, so that will affect our production and the 
level of quality that we're able to offer clients could be even higher. So I've been working on what does that look like? And yeah, one of our new staff hires, she's doing a little bit of everything, but one of her main focuses is definitely the sales and marketing side of things, not for her clients, but for us. She's done an awesome job revamping our social media, putting a professional polish on everything that we're doing, getting that word out there, the communication to our audience, which has been great. That's interesting, Eric, because that's a bit of where we found ourselves. For me, the question I'd like to ask maybe our next guest even is, how do you determine which direction to grow? Is it how you want to grow? So if you offer four different services, do you move towards those things and then hope that the business comes? Or is it based on the desire of business that's already at your front doorstep? Do you grow in that direction, but then you are you sacrificing potentially the direction you want to grow? Mm-hmm. I think about, say, Apple, their highest revenue, they just had their whatever it was, Q4 call. Their highest revenue has been and for a long time, and it probably will continue to be, iPhone is the greatest revenue maker, right? Mm -hmm. Of all their products, Mac, iPad, all that. But the question there is, well, do they just throw everything out in order to grow the what's most coming towards them? Or do they keep on what they want, what they believe is best? And it's probably a balance, but when it comes to hiring people, that's not an easy decision because you're putting someone's livelihood on stake and you're needing to pay them. So Mm -hmm. that's an interesting one. I'd love to hear from someone who's been there and done that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought for, say, somebody who's just starting out, it may be interesting to hear where we are. I mean, I could talk a little bit more about these different roles. My first hire was an account manager. I found that while I was focused on the work at the time, I was shooting videos. Ours too. I was editing the videos. And the day-to-day communication that needs Mm -hmm. to take place between your business and the client for some reason, just totally took me out of the creative space that I needed to be focused on or the project planning. I found that I needed these deep focused times. And if I was bouncing back and forth on emails, either with current clients or potential clients, I just wasn't able to operate that way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that first hire, bringing that person in that I knew Our clients were going to feel like they were in good hands. They weren't feeling like we were dropping the ball. If it took me two days to get back to them, because I was like, oh, I just need to finish this project first before I worry about other things. And how'd that go? How did that hire go? Not as a person, but... As a role, it was, I think, absolutely the right choice for us and for my maybe capabilities. Uh Yeah, hugely important. So then, but with that... I wanted somebody who was talented and didn't necessarily have 40 hours a week worth of work Okay, for somebody that was just responding to emails, scheduling meetings, taking a phone call, the client management side of things. We might have, at that time, maybe had five projects going on at any one time at Mm. various stages. So ended up pulling them into the producing side of things as well to where they were, since they're already in communication with the client. They're also starting to plan some of the shoots, some of the locations, some of the casting. Me as the director still having the input on those things, but doing the legwork for all that was needed leading up to the shoots. So that producer role 
to be able to offload that freed me up even more. And I saw the power in initially me being able to do better work, but then after that, me being able to think about how to grow the business and the direction of the business by offloading some of those things, freeing up my time to even be able to think in that space. What you hear people talk about a lot, are you focused on doing the work or are you focused on the business? And at our size, you need to be doing both, but to have that ability was huge. So yeah, that initial hires were huge for me. And I think if there are other others out there starting their agency or that maybe have been in their role for a while where they are as a designer doing all the work themselves or as a video production company doing all the shooting, all the editing, you know, possibly a hire to free up some of your time to allow you focus to focus on doing what you do best is super powerful. So in context of those early days when your first hire was an account manager, what would you say to someone who's pursuing a similar career path to what you are, and that is to build, eventually you'd like to be a full-fledged director in a movie. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, I think I'll continue in advertising okay. along the way, but. And you've made some incredible films, short films already. But that being said, if that's the trajectory of someone's life and they want to put years and years into the practice by maybe starting a company like you have, in this advertising film world, what would you say to those people in those first two or three years, now having 10 plus years of experience, what would you say would be some of the most important things to invest their time into? It's a good question. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I really like the business side of things and I also really the craft, but I think they're very different. So I'm straddling both worlds where I, I enjoy directing. I'm also a shooter. did that for many years. Some projects I am still shooting and directing. But yeah, if you were, and I, I don't know that I would recommend most people to try to do both. I think probably figuring, As in running your own business, doing the business and the film. Yeah. And are you more business inclined where you want to run an agency and you want to focus on growth and you want to have sales meetings with clients and manage like you were talking about, or do you want to direct? Do you want to have the artistic vision? Do you want to toil over scripts and shot lists and the creative side of things? I think they're pretty different. And I don't know that I would encourage most. If you had that advice, if you were listening to this podcast 10 plus years ago when you were starting, what would you have done with that advice? Mm. I'd say, but I want both. Yeah, so you would have been <laughs> I want cookies and ice cream. Come on. Don't make me choose. Yeah, I think, but I'm also, I've always been that way to where I, I definitely seem to do better when I'm not doing just one thing. Yeah, that's fair. And you have a business mindset. You and your family have done real estate investing and a lot of thinking around the business world. So you have a nice mix. That being said, it sounds like maybe the advice in my own words to those people that are just starting out would be recognize what comes with starting a business. And if yeah. that's not what you want, maybe partner with someone who has those strengths. Is that 
Would yeah, definitely. Fair? I think partner or even don't be afraid to get a job. If you're doing the film or the one or the other sides. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think there's a lot of great production companies out there already that are doing great work. And if your goal is to edit or shoot or direct, getting involved in a production company like that, either on a contractor level or on a staff level, could only grow to more responsibility and learning along the way. And it will keep you in your craft. So yeah, I, th- I guess my advice would be if you're an artist and only an artist or would like to stay in that field of work, yeah, look for those opportunities where you can do what you do best. Because starting a business, starting an agency has its challenges. And I think it you have to also have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit and enjoy running a business because you'll go through many trials that will test. Yeah. Okay. Also set aside 30% of your every paycheck, every invoice that's paid into your tax account. We did that in a little bit of side note, but another thing I'm grateful for, we were doing that 30% minimum, sometimes setting 35% into our tax account for Blastoff Studio. We just prepaid all that. Hopefully we're going to get some money back and it just feels so good to not be feeling behind. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you're starting your deal out, minimum 30% into checking for your work. But I wanted to actually transition and ask you a little bit about office space, specifically workspace and how you work, how you found. So we used to be in the same office space together for our listeners. We both had worked out of a co-working space, but it is, it's like next level. Absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, sits up on a cliff. There's a river down below. You can take paddle boards out on your break. There's all the kombuchas and all that stuff's on tap. It's really, it's up there, right? And we both had these nice offices that were glassed in, beautiful space, but people. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. on certain days. And for me, about six months ago, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do all these people. And so I got my own office space. And so now here we are. And it's an, it's a suite in a building, a uh, couple hundred square feet. And for me, it's just covered in plants. And it's it, for me, it's much more soothing. But I'm finding that I still need some retreat times from even this to just sit on the sofa with, with my notebook and work that way. So anyway, mm. I, I don't want to get too far into what my experience is yet. But what is your experience with workspace? Where do you work best? Yeah, I think it, it depends on which hat I'm wearing. And what um, devices are you using in each of those spaces? Laptop, notebook, iPad, phone, whatever it is. Yeah. So when I was editing, I wanted a dark cave and nobody around. Quiet, dark. I'm in my own world. I headphones? Had, yeah, headphones, 34-inch uh-huh. monitor, and I'm just in it and could get lost for hours and hours and in not. early days was that like in the garage with the black curtain or how did you how'd you create that space before you had revenue to supply a really great office working space yeah i let's see what was it like early days i, th- I think i was in albuquerque new mexico at the time yeah a little home office my wife was working at apple actually at the time uh-huh. and so she would leave for work and i could just be in my own little cave which worked great And I was also crewing for 
movies and TV shows and stuff at the time. So I would work as a contractor there, but then come back and have my editing projects. And that was kind of my best environment. Now I'm very mobile. It's usually just me and my 13-inch MacBook into a meeting, team meeting, client meeting, out in the open space. Yeah, the co-working space. And I do really... Can you sit out there for what reason? Rather than sitting in your office, why do you like to be in the public space? I like a little buzz around me, a little energy around me. For some reason, that makes work less boring. Okay. Is it, does it drive focus? Does it drive pressure? Yeah, I think so. I'm a little ADHD and I think just having noise, like somebody might turn on music to help them work, having people around and conversations around, just that little bit of extra distraction can actually help me focus. Yeah. Because it just, there's enough other things going on that I'm satisfied and can get to work. Okay. But yeah, I have recently been thinking about because my editors uses our office space and has his own quiet area and the way that the co-working space is set up we've got boardrooms and booths and everything i'd ever need but if i were to have my own space i definitely miss the multi-monitor or larger monitor if you got on your apple display so do you see yourself moving to let's just talk about it because it's out now the apple vision pro multi-display mm. Still use your keyboard and mouse and extend your display up to what could be four displays or one large display? Yeah. Multiple windows? That's a good question. Because I'm definitely also self-conscious enough that I don't know if I'd want to be seen in public wearing that thing. And I like to work in public. Yeah, it's going to take some getting used to. Just like when I remember when AirPods came out. Everyone, there were all those memes that looked like Q-tips or cigarettes sticking out of your ears. Oh, yeah. But now, and actually seeing the normal AirPods that are still out mm -hmm. and not the Pro with the shorter stem, those things look like Q-tips. But the, the AirPod Pro, now it's normal to see some guy walking down the street talking. And, oh, yeah. So I agree. There's going to be a, a growing period, but you don't want to be the weirdo, huh? I don't want to be the weirdo. What I'm not, it, okay. Maybe I'm not what that if secure. Increased, what if it increased your productivity by threefold? Would you be willing to be the weirdo? A selective weirdo. I get Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you, so yeah, that makes sense. And then do you see yourself continuing to be there? Let's say three years from now, clients continue to increase what they want. Their budgets are aligning with what you would need to charge for those services. Mm -hmm. And you continue to grow and hire. Do you see yourself staying in that type of workspace, environment space for your team? Because... It also puts a little less pressure on you, right? They have other people to talk to. It's not just, there's no awkward moments necessarily in the quiet office with two people. It's a good question. I So we did the warehouse thing. Um, at one point I had, it was not huge, but it was maybe 2,500 square feet. We had our own studio. We had desks built out. And I enjoyed that environment that I had total control on the look on, you know, where things were placed, on our setups. That was cool, but it also took a lot of management just in the space. Sure. It's like owning or renting. You, you all of a sudden have more responsibility. Yeah, yeah. We're, I was taking the trash out. Lots of little things like that would come up. So that has been really refreshing about being in a staffed co-working space. I think for me, 
it, yeah, if we achieve our goals and if we continue to grow, the ideal scenario, say three years from now, would be maybe a staff of 10 to 12. And then I don't know that it makes sense for us to be in a co-working space still taking up three, four offices. Just even from an overhead side of things, that could be very expensive. Yeah. But also at that point, I think I would have enough of the energy around me just from staff sure. that it could have that same kind of feeling that I enjoy. Absolutely. So yeah, it's that coffee shop effect. You have people around you. What if we start a front of house coffee shop, back of house agency? I like it. Then our clients will really know where to meet us. They'll know where to meet us. And then our staff could be right there in the have a couple up. have a couple young film dude so the filmers you're saying okay look you want to be a filmer you want to be a designer it can't support you full-time yet you're just not there and that's okay that everyone's growing we give them coffee shop jobs in the front of house <laughs> half time they were yeah. the other half time back of house with us there's our new idea if you're listening to this and you've <laughs> heard of anyone do this please reach out and tell us is this a new idea I mean, nothing's new, but I think agencies have their own coffee shops, but I don't know that I've heard of one that's open to the public, like generating yeah. revenue. Yeah. Could yeah. be cool. Then that way people can really fully be in that space. And then we could be time. coffee nerds too, which we already are. How so. do we make this happen? If there's a coffee shop that's listening to this, that's a really great roaster who's interested in partnering with a large space and hiring part-time filmmakers, designers, photographers as your baristas, please reach out to us. Business opportunity. I'm serious. I think this I is like a great it. idea. I like it. Uh, but there'd be a third space as well, and that'd be the library. And that's where you'll find me working. As much as I love to talk to people when I'm working, I like my... Okay. Okay, good. So workspace, kind of get a feel for that. Are you finding... I got a question around... I found myself... It's a lead-in to a personal share, and then I'd like to... I sincerely yeah. would like to know. I find myself picking up my phone a lot in a growing amount of times lately to record ideas in either voice memos or a notes app that are coming to me throughout the day. Do you find yourself doing that very much? I am doing that currently, but it's somewhat business related, but I'm actually also doing a screenwriting course right now. It's through the UCLA extension campus and working on a script idea. And so that's when I most often, am, oh, I got a quick thought. But yeah, I definitely have an idea notepad that I've been adding to for years and always tracking those random strikes of lightning down. And unfortunately, 99% of the time, I'm not doing anything with those. There's your challenge from today. Yeah. But yeah, what about you? Are you doing that a lot? I am doing it a lot. I There's been two moments in my life where I've really felt like, for me, uh, I would say God, has moved me to be really passionate about this is something that I need to do. The first one was the first book I wrote, and it was for a specific audience. It served its purpose, and it was fantastic. And yeah, it's publicly available, but I never published it beyond that smaller audience of a couple thousand because I, that wasn't what I felt the purpose was. That's happened again in the last couple of years. I, I don't know. I'd have to look back at my notebooks, but Probably a year and a half to two years ago, there was another one of those moments where I feel like there's something I need to do. And it's, so it's a burning, like, 
I, I need to do this. And originally, oh, about a year ago, sitting down with my business coach, that surfaced. And he said, okay, what does it look like to build Blastoff Studio so that you could spend Fridays just working on that project? Because it's not directly related to Blastoff. It would be a, it'd be a separate thing. And so we tried to format that Mondays would essentially be meetings and email communication days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays would be work block days and client meetings only, not necessarily new clients, but just head down days. And then Friday would be what we call the free day. And that would be working on whatever project it was that I felt. And that's how it was formatted. Now I've been doing a little bit of cleanup and catch up. I feel like I don't always spend all of Friday working on that, but I have been good about keeping my phone when it's with me, keeping it out. And as an idea comes, I add it. And I just look back at some of the notes that I put in there recently. Sometimes it's a voice memo that I attach to the note. Sometimes it's just text that I'll dictate out. And it's really cool because it's, to me, it's when I look at it, I perceive it as this is good stuff. Like I couldn't think of this here at my desk right now. So I'm mm -hmm. so glad that I was willing to keep this going over time. Uh, that's something I find really helpful for big picture stuff is that it seems to me from my experiences, it bleeds out over a long time. It's not just like a one encounter moment where I have this whole plan. And so by tracking it and recording these ideas, it's very helpful. I, in fact, I was looking, I really would love to get the teenage engineering voice recorder. Have you seen this new one? Uh -uh. They have a newer one and it is insane. And it's a voice recorder. It's something like 1400, $1,200, but everything from teenage engineering is absolutely gorgeous. This simple modern aluminum design and then it has all these ai tools built in where it can dictate or where you can dictate where you can excuse me where you can transcribe all your stuff into copy so there's a bunch of neat things but i'm not there yet that's mm -hmm. just a little out of my, my phone can do it so I, I don't need a second yeah tool to do that but i would like to celebrate someday by buying one of those that's what i uh nice yeah yeah so i that's really cool i think for somebody like you that's huge to capture those moments because you're you're Squirrel brain a very good executor man thanks i don't know I, at least i feel that way from the inside out i don't know but it seems like you can push the needle forward until you get to that finish line and accomplish your goal where i'm definitely more of an idea guy and i i have shiny object syndrome so i have almost cut back on allowing myself the to, ideation yeah. yeah you get there capturing all that stuff because I, I find that I I really need to focus on what I already have on my plate and continue moving that forward. Otherwise, I'd just be in idea land all the time. I hope you can land into a role eventually where you get to just stay in that space. That'd be sweet. That is neat. Anything else that you wanted to chat about today on this episode that you have written down? No, I think it's just good to catch up with you. I've ah, had some great episodes lately. Sarah and Liz, yes. awesome agency owners, but incredible people. get some time with you and um, hear how things are going. Glad same. to hear it's going well. Yeah. And yeah, have to catch you on the next one. Okay. Until next time, if you would like to support the Grow Your Creative Agency podcast, you can head over to growyourcreativeagency.com and become a Patreon supporter there. Thank you to our Patreon supporters already. We just got an email in a few days ago from a new supporter. And so thank you so much for you joining and supporting the work that we're doing here. We hope it's encouraging and helpful in your pursuing to grow your creative agency, whatever that looks like. You get the idea. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys soon.